And everyone has a limit. Just like addicts have a rock bottom. Yes. Everyone has a limit. They And they will know what that looks like. They'll know in their heart when they've had enough. Right. Something will happen one day and they'll be like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. But when they're done, I want them to have a place to turn. Yes. Which is to their closest friends and family that were there with them, that mm-hmm. weren't telling them what to do, that just listen. Just listen. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of To The Wheels Fall Off. I am Matt. I'm Paige. For those of you that are regular listeners, welcome back. For those of you that are new and you were sent this, you're wondering, what the heck is going on? Yes. Let us explain for just a moment. Uh, again, my name is Matt. My wife's name is Paige. We have been together for over 20 years. Since 2001, that's 22 years? Yeah. 22 years. Almost 23. For the first couple of years of our relationship, things were normal. Um, well, I mean, we were children. We were just kids. <laughs> you guess since we were 14 years old. It was somewhat normal. For the first couple crazy. of years, things were essentially normal, as normal as it can be for a couple of high school kids. Um, and then I developed an addiction to drugs and alcohol, and I ran that for about 10 years. Yes. I got sober in 2013 been sober now for over 10 years. Actually, now at this point, I've been sober for longer than I used, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But now what we do, That's we've crazy. we've got this podcast, we've got courses, we've got all kinds of great stuff, but in a community as well. Um, but what do we do? We help spouses and partners of alcoholics and addicts in their own recovery journeys. Yes. That is our role here. Yeah. So if you've got a loved one who's in a relationship with an alcoholic or an addict, or maybe a borderline just abusive person, Mm -hmm. our job is to validate their experiences, educate them, empower them, and help them walk their own recovery journeys. Yeah. In the past, we've done episodes that are shareable, and this is one of those episodes, which is why you were sent this episode. This is meant to be shareable. It's meant to be informative. It's meant to peel back the curtain and show you what it's like to be in their life in a way that maybe they can't put into words. Yeah. Cause we've been on this for the other, on the other side of this for quite some time now. We, we work with other people through it. And so I think that we're pretty well equipped in explaining this in a way that's understandable for you, the loved one family member. Right. So let's get us started. Paige, yeah. you are the, I'd say you're the resident expert on this topic. Okay. Being sure. the spouse. I think that this is your this is your jam. Yeah. So you might wonder how do you support your loved one? Like let's say you have a child, an adult child who's in a relationship with someone who is toxic. Um, and maybe you don't know this person is toxic. What were you gonna say something? No, no. Oh, I thought you were like, okay. So I'm just gonna kind of go through my experience real quick and we're gonna help you um basically communicate with your child or your friend or family member, cousin, whoever sent this. Um, but in my experience, you know, I've been told many times, like from people around me that love me that, you know, what you're going through isn't a big deal. You're too sensitive. It could be worse. Look at the positives. You're overreacting. They don't seem so toxic to me on and on. And what that did for me was like, I became isolated. I did. I started to isolate myself from people that I loved because I was questioning everything that bothered me. I thought that what I was saying was fake or I was a drama queen in their eyes. And going through this over and over again can actually cause more trauma than the actual trauma that, you know, I w- had been through before that I was that discussing. I put you yeah. Yeah. So we begin to question our own feelings and experiences because it's as though no one is listening. And that's really hard. That's really tough. Yeah. 
And I think that there's what you described there, which is you can look at someone else's situation and say to yourself, that's not that bad. Like you're being dramatic about this. Is it really that troublesome? Or you can look at their situation and say, this is really, really bad. Oftentimes that's a, that's a bias that we create within based on our own experiences in life. Yeah. So let's say that I am, let's say that I'm your parent and I grew up in a really, really abusive home. I had it really bad. We were broke, poor, um, mother left, alcoholic father, whatever. My situation's really bad. So I look at your life and what you're going through and I can look at it and say, that's nothing. You have no clue what it's like. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what bad is. Right. That's not a good thing to do. No, it's not. <laughs> you're invalidating their experience. Yeah, it, their frame of reference is not the same as theirs. And that works on the inverse as well. Mm-hmm. If you grew up in a really, really, really kind home and you've got someone who is in what you would consider an abusive relationship, it could be the case that it's not as terrible as maybe you think, but your frame of your frame of reference and the lens that you're looking through is formed by your own experiences. Yes. What we try to do, I think more than anything is bring those two things into alignment, Mm -hmm. create empathy for each other's experiences. Even if you don't know what it's like to be in their shoes, cognitively, we can listen and begin to understand what it's like based on what people are telling us. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to try as best we can to create cognitive empathy for a situation that you may not quite understand, Mm -hmm. or maybe one you think you understand that you just haven't really considered well because you haven't listened. Yeah. No knock on anybody. Right. Right. It's tough. It's tough sometimes. Like if it's your kid, you want to tell them what to do. You know, you're like, I'm seeing this. I think that you need to do this and that and, and you need to get out of this, or maybe it's not that bad. Like all different scenarios happen and you want to protect them. But in reality, this can push them further apart, further away, because when we are in this relationships, we're already being invalidated from our partner all the time. We're being told that we are wrong and that we're crazy and that we're in, that we're too sensitive and that we make a big deal out of things. We don't need that from our family members too. We need somebody to support us, listen to us and just be there for us. So being there for us just means, you know, actively listening and allowing us to make our own decisions. So if you don't know what actively listening means, you want to go through that and explain how to actively listen? Yeah. Before you do that, you mentioned something just now that I think it's a given, but I just, I want to put it out there because I think it's really tough sometimes as a parent Mm -hmm. to watch your child who you were responsible for raising, protecting in the world, making sure that you know, they were dressed appropriately when it was freezing cold outside, making mm-hmm. sure that they didn't put themselves in harm's way. Uh, you had to create rules and boundaries around their life to keep them alive and safe in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult with adult children to look at them and let go a little bit. Yes. And I understand how difficult that can be. I do too. And I just, I want to say that it's, no one's blaming you for, for being protective. No one's blaming you for doing what's, I mean, really biologically programmed in you to protect your, 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 your loved ones, your offspring, your your children. It's an instinct. It is. Mm -hmm. But we do grow up and we become adults and we have to have our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And at some point that, that role of parent, um, as guardian and protector sort of shifts and Mm -hmm. you become more equals in so many ways where your, your adult child, or maybe your cousin or friend, whoever might've sent this to you is their own person with their own life experiences that gets to make their own choices. Yes. And you know, what is powerful about making our own choices? What's that? It builds up our self-esteem. 
That is so true. And our confidence. And we already, many of us already have a very low self-esteem for, from how difficult and challenging, you know, these relationships are. So when we're able to make our own decisions, we are empowering ourselves and we're becoming a better version of ourselves. Not when somebody tells us what to do. If we do what people tell us what to do all the time, we're completely lost. hundred percent correct. And I think that we can see that throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. Every time that we do something on our own, it's meaningful. It has weight and depth and you you're right. You, you become empowered in, in making decisions mm-hmm. when people tell us to do things like we have, we have younger kids. We see what happens when we tell them to do things. Mm-hmm. They lose their mind. Yeah. They lose their absolute mind. And like, so do adults. People value <laughs> agency in their own lives, the yes. ability to make their own decisions. And that's really, truly how we learn. Yeah. Sometimes we have to take it on faith and an understanding that someone's been there before that this is what's work. This is what works. This is what doesn't. But it doesn't matter. Um, so I'm an addict. I'm a, I was a drug addict and alcoholic for over a decade, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know how many times I'd heard before that it was bad, stay away from it, don't do it, you should stop now? <laughs> it didn't matter. No. And I've, I've, so I've worked and volunteered in the treatment community now for a, over a decade. Mm-hmm. And you know how many people that I've seen, it's like, man, I wish I could just tell them how this story ends. But it wouldn't do any good because they're unlikely to listen. They have to see it for themselves. They have to make those decisions for themselves. Yes. Or it's unlikely that it will have any lasting effect of change. Right. You've got to see it for yourself. Right. And they have to have natural consequences for their decisions. And that goes this way too. So uh, so what you're about to get into is essentially some some tips and tricks on how you can be supportive Mm -hmm. without being overbearing and telling someone what to do. Right. Because just as you mentioned, you're likely to to push people away. A quick break in the action to let you know about an exciting development in the TUFO universe. When we started this thing, we said we would never work with an advertiser or company unless it's something that we believed in and we already use. If you're looking for professional, affordable mental health care, look no further than Taylor Counseling Group, your trusted source for accessible therapy in Texas. Taylor Counseling Group believes that everyone deserves premium mental health care, regardless of their income level. That's why they offer reliable and affordable services at 12 locations across Texas. They've made affordability a priority. They are in network with most major insurance, and the standard private rate is only $100 per session, significantly lower than many other practices offering the same high-quality therapy. They believe that getting the help you need shouldn't drain your wallet. Scheduling an appointment is quick and easy with their convenient online booking tool. No complicated processes or long wait times. They value your time and ensure that you can access the care you deserve without any hassle. At Taylor Counseling Group, they believe in a personalized approach to therapy. The professionally trained counselors offer a diverse range of services, including individual counseling, couples counseling, family therapy, play therapy for children, and even specialized techniques like cognitive processing and existential psychotherapy. They're here to help you navigate life's challenges and develop a personalized treatment plan tailored to your unique goals. Taylor Counseling Group is your partner on the path to mental wellness. Experience professional, affordable care that puts you first. Visit their website, taylorcounselinggroup.com, or call them today to schedule an appointment and tell them Tufo Couple sent you. A link and phone number is going to be available in the show notes. And back to the action. Right, right. Yeah, if if you have an adult child that comes to you with their issues in their marriage, just please listen and validate them. Like, it doesn't mean that you agree with them. This just means that you're listening and understanding their feelings are there. Like, I 
I get it or I don't get it, but I'm here for you. You know, let me know if there's anything you need from me. There's no need to offer solutions unless they're, unless you're asked, you know, like we said, we need to process things out loud with no judgment. Yeah. And sometimes that'll help us just get to a next step. Now, when somebody tries to intervene and tell us what to do, we're, we're going to push back. Like we just discussed, um, we, the best way for you to support, support us is to just listen to us. Yeah. Validation is for me. Anyway, I can say it was difficult. I don't know if I'm alone on this Island <laughs> or not, but validation yeah. was really tough for me because a lot often, oftentimes when you're hearing someone bring you feelings or issues that they have, and you know, the answer, you know, the solution, or you think, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. it's really hard to sit there and listen with a quiet mind and just listen to their feelings. Mm-hmm. What I came to understand is that we can, we, we can argue facts all day long, but I can't argue feelings. I can't right. argue with your feelings. Right. These you're telling me how you feel. How am I supposed to even know? Yeah. I just have to accept it on faith that I've known you my whole life. I trust you. I love you. This is how you feel. And I, I must just sit here and listen to how you feel yeah, and, and it apply that. It doesn't mean that you're condoning the behavior. Yes. And that took a long time for you to understand. Yes, man, that was tough for me. Sitting there listening to someone talk and talk about their feelings. I felt I felt like I just need you to stop so I can tell you what you should do to get away from these feelings. And what happened when you were doing that in our relationship? It was... What happened to me? We we were never further apart yes. at that point. And it, it actually sent you down this dark spiral dark. Dark. where you, you got to the point where you, you felt like you couldn't trust me, open up to me, mm-hmm. and you were scared to come to me with anything. I isolated myself. We, and intimacy was gone in our relationship. And I don't just mean, I don't mean physical intimacy. I mean, just trust. Yep. I just mean the trust and and talking to me about how you felt Yes, because you felt like anytime you would, what you would get back was judgment because Mm -hmm. I thought that listening to you and not providing you what I thought were healthy solutions was the same as condoning what was going on. Right. (laughs) All people generally want to do is just talk. They want to talk to someone that they love and trust and they want to be heard Yeah, and they want to know it's okay. You're safe. The way you feel is okay. Yeah. It's okay to feel that way. And it doesn't mean that my feelings are facts. Like I know that sometimes when I bring things up, I'm like, oh gosh, I said that out loud. And is this real life? (laughs) You know, but just being there with you and you telling me that you're just there for me, I was able to process it much quicker in a healthy way than if you, when you would tell me solutions. Yeah. remember, so if it's true and we can all agree that people ultimately have to make decisions for themselves based on their own experiences, Mm -hmm. then the best thing that you can do rather than providing them solutions they're not ready for or solutions they haven't come to on their own mm-hmm. is to just listen with them and support them along the way. Yeah. This is what I do with drug addicts and alcoholics. This is how people eventually get sober. Yeah. They can tell you about the crazy stuff that's going on in their lives and I can tell them how that's all. It wouldn't do me any good to say, oh, all that is just ridiculous. You need to drop all that. They have to see it for themselves. Yeah. They have to. You have to walk down that path on your own and come to a point of reasonableness eventually on your own. You just have to be there with someone while they're walking the journey. Right. And you have to trust them with their decisions because if they sent you this, that means they're doing something. They're looking for solutions. They're trying to figure out how to manage this better. I mean, they're actually working towards recovery and helping themselves. So that's a good piece for you to understand is that you can trust them with making a decision, even if it's further down the line. You make an excellent point there. If someone is invested enough in educating themselves on what they can do differently 
to the extent that they are listening to podcasts or reading books or they're part of a, a, a recovery community of some kind, just know and I would trust that they are doing they are doing the work. They're doing they are something. working toward making changes. They're not like staying. They are stagnant. they are in it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I thought we had an issue there. Technical. <laughs> no, it was. I thought I said the name or something, and something popped up. Okay. All right. Anyway, let's get into it. Okay. So, if you don't know how to actively listen, we're just going to give you some tips. This took. <laughs> we did some of this when he was in treatment, and. I, I think I've always been pretty decent and actively listening. You're a great listener. Um, Matt, on the other hand, the listens worst. to respond. Um, and it's going to take practice. So just give yourself some grace there. If somebody comes to you and you want to have a conversation, first you need to give your full attention. This means put your distractions away, put your phone away, make eye contact with them and, you know, position yourself in a way that's you're engaged with the conversation. Let them know that you are there and you care. Not sitting here like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the phone, worst. Right? Yeah, it is. Put the phones away, please. Yeah. So to show that you're listening, nod your head occasionally. Um, use facial expressions to understand with you know that you do have empathy. And then sometimes provide some verbal affirmations like, oh, I see. I understand. Or go on. You know, I mean, when you're having a conversation, you just kind of nod your head a little bit. And it means that you're engaged. You're letting the speaker know that you're listening to them and that goes really far repeat back what you've heard in your own words to ensure that you're understanding what they're saying um and if you you can say something like so if i understand correctly you're saying that's a really good great way of clarifying yeah yeah so what what i heard was mm-hmm. and then like you mentioned i um if I understand correctly, what you're saying is yes. And you can ask clarifying questions, but it don't has make assumptions to, though. <laughs> right. And it needs to be timed properly, right? It's not interrupting the person to ask a question, save the question for appropriate pauses. Like there are times when we're in the middle of having a conversation and I'm like, Ooh, I really need to ask this question. But then I stop myself and I'm like, no, let me let him finish. And that question may not even be, um, it may not even matter at that point Be because you probably already answered it, right? Again, avoid. This is kind of similar to what I just said. Avoid interrupting. You know, let them finish their thoughts, and resist the urge to interject with your own experiences immediately. Like we all want to talk about our experiences and how it's uh, similar to what you're discussing, but then you're not necessarily listening to the other person's experience. It can be, and it it is it is important that you do that though, because it is comforting whenever you can relate your own experience with something. Right, they feel not so alone anymore. Right, they can trust you even more. Right, but timing is crucial there as well. It's not like oh, I need to put in my experience here just so quickly. Listen. Just listen and then see if it's relevant to bring up. Um, validate their your their uh, feelings without judgment. You know, it's it's okay that you don't agree with them. But you don't need to judge them for that. Sometimes that's hard. Yeah. It, 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 I think we opened up with this about um, just being able to uh, empathize with somebody and have empathy for someone's situation. Yep. So there's a difference between having just true, pure empathy and then what I would consider cognitive empathy. Um, so pure empathy is that you have been there before and you know exactly how that feels. Cognitive empathy comes with actively listening to someone's situation and creating the the story in your mind that you are in their shoes and 
taking on those same feelings of, as if you were in their shoes and Oof. you're in that home story of my life. And that, that is, I wouldn't say it's, it's not natural, but it's just as powerful in creating the empathy necessary to understand what someone is feeling yeah. and where these feelings are coming from. So something I would say you should not do is performative empathy. Don't fake it. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand, it's okay to ask clarifying questions. Yeah. But if you don't want to understand, you're not going to understand. Right. But you your, your goal this. is to understand, but that doesn't mean you agree. Absolutely. You don't have to agree, but you should understand. Yes. It's no different than other people's political opinions. Like I don't necessarily have to agree and I'm not, we're not political by any means, but I'm just saying yeah. I, I see this where you'll get some people that don't want to understand and they're not going to understand because they don't have, they have no, no intention of hearing anyone's perspective. Right. There are other people that are a bit more reasonable about politics and they, they understand why people have the opinions they have. They just disagree. It's okay too. Yeah. That's okay. But when it comes to validation, it's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It's about being able to create enough empathy where you understand where someone's coming from yeah, so that you, it, it all makes sense. Okay. I totally understand why you would say that and why you feel that way. That's right. completely valid. Yes. I understand that. Yes. If I was in your shoes, I would feel the exact same way. That's totally normal. Yep. I'm here for you. I totally get that. Right. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. It's all. It's so, that is the most powerful and supportive thing that you can do for anybody who's trying to express themselves to you. Yeah. I think so too. Um, so there was one more thing that I wanted to say is with active listening is being patient. So if somebody's speaking and they have a lot of, there's some pauses or some silences, you don't have to speak within that time, give them time to process their thoughts in that moment. Silence is big. Like I'm, I'm okay with having conversations with people and there'd be a big pause. I don't, I let them collect their thoughts and then they start speaking again and it works beautifully. And they're like, okay, this person's actually listening. You know, you don't interject just because they have to collect their thoughts. Yeah. And if you are a person who's really good at expressing themselves, it can be uncomfortable at times to watch that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just give people the space. Not everyone is, is an excellent, excellent verbal communicator. Um, Paige and I have always differed on this where for me, like my feelings just come into words, uh, just quickly. It's just sort of easy for me. It's always been that way. But mm-hmm. for you, you have to really consider what does this feeling actually mean in language? Mm-hmm. And it takes you a bit more time and it's tough for me sometimes to sit, sit there and I want to, it's almost like playing charades. Like I want to guess what you're about to say. Yeah. It's, I have to refrain from doing that and just let you process, talk to me. Yeah. And I just listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to do sometimes though. It is. I understand. It is. Okay. Well, um, do you have anything else on active listening? For me? I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of us. I understand that. But it is pretty straightforward because all you're doing is listening and putting yourself in their shoes and being there to support them. Yeah. Active listening is it's, I'm not going to lie. It's really tough for me. I've got a, a busy brain, a um, bit of neurodivergency and my mind just goes all over the place, especially when someone's bringing me a situation in which I know the solution to, or I think I know the solution mm-hmm. to anyway, <laughs> if I've got experience with it, I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, just stop everything you're saying and just do this. I'll tell you exactly how that story ends. I've been through this a hundred times. Here's what you do. What I've n- never really considered though, is that a lot of people aren't coming to me for advice. They're coming to me because they trust me and they value my role in their life. They value me as a friend. Exactly. They just want to talk. They just want to talk. So many people just want to vent and talk. Yeah. 
And it's no more difficult than just listening to them. I have to shut myself up a lot, like internally in my mind and say, just listen, just listen, shut up and listen, yeah. just shut up and listen. The more I'm able, and I have to be intentional about it because it doesn't come natural to me, but the more I do it, the more I'm able to create that empathy necessary to just listen to somebody mm-hmm. that then builds trust. Yeah. Yeah. And if, what if they ask for advice? You can provide advice based on your experience. Yes. That's all you can do though. I would offer advice based on your and experience. you can encourage them to seek therapy as well. Say, hey, why don't you go talk about this with a professional? You know, you might get some help out of that. It might be a great space for you to talk about this. I'm here for you. But if you also want to do that too, it might level up your recovery. I don't want to get us too far ahead because I know we were going to cover this here in a bit. Maybe it's a good segue. I don't know. But addicted relationships. So if you've got a loved one who's in a relationship with someone you suspect, maybe they even suspect could be an alcoholic or an addict, or it's blatantly obvious that this person is an alcoholic or an addict. It's not as simple as just saying leave. Oh yeah. It's not, these aren't typical types of relationships. And we've done episodes over, um, trauma bonds and, um, coercive abuse and the underlying concepts of abuse, uh, why people get caught up in these relationships. And there are a multitude of reasons that we end up in relationships like this. Sometimes it's that we see potential in people that others may not see because mm-hmm. we've got more intimate time with them. Uh, we, we, we tend to be positive and see the best in people. And a lot of people hold on to potential. Yeah. There's some others that what's the way I can put this gently. Um, they lack esteem. They lack self-esteem mm-hmm. and this abusive person at times can pick them up in ways that no one else can. Right. And they can get addicted to that, that affirmation and that, that dopamine rush that comes with pleasing someone that's really difficult to please. Mm-hmm. There's some other times where you've been in a relationship with somebody and they've been great for a long time. And they develop an addiction years and years and years later, and they're trying to recapture the relationship that they once knew. Yeah. There are a multitude of reasons. It's just not so simple to look at someone and say, are you stupid? Why are you still with this person? Mm-hmm. What? Let let us do that. Yeah. I would just ask you that. That's what we're doing here. And that's what your loved one is doing and listening to our show and everything that we do here. We are working on that right now. Your job as a family member is to listen while they learn. Yeah. It's not your job necessarily to teach them. In fact, I think that's maybe even an improper relationship. It's going to establish some, some strange... Um, dynamic between the two of you where yeah. you've still got like this caretaker role or authoritarian role when I think the best thing you can do is be supportive of somebody. Mm-hmm. It's no different than what we discuss with your loved one person that sent this to you. Um, if the advice were as simple as to just leave, then every alcoholic and addict would be single, right? They, they would. It's just not that simple mm-hmm. because there are stories and these, believe me, we're upfront about this is that we are the rare exception of a couple that makes it out the other side. But it is possible. It's possible. I wouldn't say it's likely. I would say it's actually unlikely. Yeah. Because it requires a perfect storm of desperation, willingness, uh, timing, opportunity, um, and this this X factor that you had just enough left in you where you were willing to give me a shot and I took it mm-hmm. and it didn't screw it up. Yeah. You know, I, I picked up one desire chip in 2013 and I haven't picked up another one. I never looked back. I did the work. That's not everyone's story. Sometimes you'll have someone who 
establish this to sobriety, maybe they get six to eight months and then they relapse. And you want to look at your, your loved one and say, why are you, why would you give them another chance? Listen, don't just withhold judgment. Yeah. You don't know what their reality's like. You don't know what they're working through. Right. As an addict, I can speak to this personally. Um, people, people think that we're crazy and, and I agree in many ways we are, <laughs> we are absolutely crazy. I mean, it is insanity. Isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's happening a lot of times as I'm, as I'm, when I was relapsing and when I was like, people were like, how could you possibly go back to drinking after everything you've been through? I think that the great obsession of every abnormal drinker is to one day think that we can drink like other people and yeah. that it, there would be some time that we establish that's like, okay, now I'm fixed and now I'm cured. Every time someone relapses, if they're learning, if they're listening, if they're, you know, if they're trying, then they're learning a little bit more about what that line looks like for them. For many of us, the line is zero. We can have zero. That's as, that's as much as I, that's what I had to learn over time was I could have zero. Mm-hmm. Your loved one, your son, your daughter, your cousin, your friend, whoever sent this to you is learning what zero looks like for them too. Yeah, They are learning that, okay, we we're going to try this. We're going to try that. We're going to, we're going to give this a shot mm-hmm. and they're They've got a checklist and they're, and they, they know what they're willing to give. Yeah. They know what they're willing to give. Right. At some point they will, they too will probably learn if this person doesn't get right, that, that they may have to walk away, mm-hmm. but you, it's not your job to get them there. It's no. their job to see that for themselves. Or guess what happens? They go right back and right. they're probably going to exclude you from their lives when they do. Right. And also like, let's shift it to the other side. If you're a family member who minimizes their experience. Oh man, that's really tough. Yeah. That's, that's very hard. It does. It, it causes even more issues within our self-esteem. Y'all want to know where that comes from? No. What? We are excellent liars and deceivers. Yes. Alcoholics and addicts. Yeah. We are excellent. I was, um, I nobody I- knew your shit except for me in a way my therapist <laughs> called me out in our first session together mm-hmm. said you're a chameleon yeah what the hell's that lizard right chameleons if you know anything about the lizard they, they change their colors based on their environment mm-hmm. and i would do the very much the same thing with my personality yeah i could be the most terrible person in our home and then show up for family dinner mm-hmm. and act like He's the, the best the, guy ever. The greatest ever. dad you've ever seen. The yep. kindest, most considerate, considerate uh, you know, husband. I mean, I had chivalry. I had manners. Oh, man, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You name it. Yeah. I could, we, we, we do that very, very well. Yes. We do that really well. We reserve the worst of us for the people that are closest to us that are right. around us most often. Right. Um, so it's really easy to look at someone and minimize their experience, but it's not, it's not that bad. What I had with your dad was bad. What you have is nothing. Yeah. Do not do that. No, don't do that. You don't, don't know what goes on behind you closed do doors. do not know what goes on behind closed doors. And if your adult child is coming to you or your friend is coming to you, they are obviously feeling something powerful within themselves and they need that support of just somebody listening to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're getting, it. they're getting the, their partner is minimizing their experience probably about every day, you they're, know? Yeah. A lot of times in these relationships, in relationship. like when people find us generally, they're at their lowest point mm-hmm. because no one is listening to my experience. No one cares about my experience. No one's talked about how I feel. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, this is true. Anytime you're in a relationship with a guy like me, when guys like me are really bad, no one's listening to how bad it is for you. Yes. They want to provide you solutions. They want to tell you, fix this, work on yourself, blah, blah, blah. And some of that stuff's valid completely. Absolutely. But once again, point. you you get to that point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not based on what I say. No. The other side of it is that when guys like me get sober, 
I get congratulations. I get ticker tape parades. No one's ever asking, how are you? How are, how are you doing? How, how, how have you been recovering? How have you been recovering from the trauma that obviously happened in that home when this was going on? No yeah. one's talking about this. No. So this is a person that's been beat down. Would you please for one second, pick someone up to support them? Yeah. No one else is. Right. No one else is. What right. we discovered when we started this podcast and we started till the wheels fall off and independently strong is that this is a space that everyone's kind of forgotten about when mm-hmm. it comes to spouses and partners and, and what they endure. Yeah. Like there's some programs out there. Don't get me wrong. And some, some people have found incredible recovery in them, but addicts, alcoholics have, I don't know, a hundred different options when it comes to oh, sobriety. Yeah. So much, so much support. out Partners there. and spouses have less than a handful, yeah. less than a handful. When I say less than five, probably that are well there's known not much at all. There's not much out there. Mm-mm. People that are, that need support that aren't getting it. Like, yeah. They're not dumb people. These aren't stupid people. These aren't just naive people. No. These are people that are learning. Right? It is everyone's first time experiencing life. Yeah. Yeah. And we highly encourage you, you as a family or friend to educate yourself more on addiction and how it affects those around them and not just the addict because everyone has been so focused on the addict. Folk, you Just educate yourself on it. Yeah. We did an episode on trauma bonds. I think it'd be really, really... Um, beneficial. beneficial yeah yeah yeah, yeah. eye opening for sure seriously mm-hmm. to to help you understand what's going on and how oftentimes um coercive abuse leads people into these situations where they're stuck and they become emotional reliant on other people mm-hmm. some refer to it as codependency yeah we've never loved that term here no uh, but i think for in as far as just layman's terms you can understand it from codependency but the context matters uh, people don't just arrive here because they're weak people yeah this the context matters. Oftentimes we are coerced into these situations and we, we find ourselves stuck in them. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're emotionally reliant on someone else. The overarching goal for us is to validate those experiences. This is what we need from you. Yes. We need it. We need, we need yes. to validate because those experiences. They need support. Just like addicts yeah. get support, you know, they need support as well. And there's an edu- Don't leave us going, leave us hanging. Don't yeah. leave us hanging. Yeah. And the education component of it all. And then, overarching goal here is to empower people mm-hmm. to make tough decisions when it's time to make tough decisions. Yep. We're not ever going to tell anyone just get out of there unless there's physical abuse present, which I will never beat around the bush. Yeah. That's dangerous. Get out, right? Get out. That is dangerous. That could be deadly. That's not nothing to mess around with. Right. Um, and then, you know, understanding the fact that people have their own recovery journeys to walk and they have to see that for themselves. Yes. Like I, I tell people when I sponsor them through, um, programs like 12 step programs that listen, I want you to recover more than anything in the world. I want to see your family restored. I want to see you happy, Yeah. but I will not pick up the phone and call you. I will not ask where have you been? Yeah. I will not ask, Hey, have you done that reading that I asked you to do? They have to want it bad enough to do it for themselves. Yes. If your loved one sent this to you, they want it bad enough that they are doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're just asking for your freaking support. Yes. That's it. That doesn't mean you agree. Right. This, this isn't black or white. This is not all or nothing. There is a gray area in everything in life that we've discussed, but this is very challenging. These situations are not as simple as a lot of people make them out to be. No, it's not. 
It's not. I mean, I can't. I guess it can be. It can be. Yeah. But okay. Okay. Just leave. Okay. Right, so, so you right. leave. We but, have choices, obviously. Yeah. And if you, but you, everyone knows this. If you leave a situation without closure and without, like, and a lot of times in marriage, like you're committed to somebody. Yeah. In many ways, uh, a lot of people take their vows very seriously. Mm-hmm. And if you have, if you haven't, you know, left, if you've left, haven't left any stones unturned, you look at that and be like, well. Did I give up too quickly? Like a lot of people have to figure that out for themselves. Yeah. They do. Mm-hmm. And everyone has a limit. Just like addicts have a rock bottom. Yes. Everyone has a limit. They and they will know what that looks like. They'll right. know in their heart when they've had enough. Right. Something will happen one day and they'll be like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. But when they're done, I want them to have a place to turn. Yes. Which is to their closest friends and family that were there with them that mm-hmm. weren't telling them what to do that just listened, just listened, just listened and supported and said, listen, I'm here for you while you're working through this. I know it sucks. If you ever need advice, I'm here for you, but that's not my role is to provide you advice. Right. But if you ever want to bounce things off of me, or if you just need to vent, let me know Yes. if it's tough for you, you can do what I used to do, which is when you would come to me and vent, I would sit there and stop you and be like, I'm not being, I'm not being facetious. I just need to know, are you, do you, do you just want to talk or do you need solutions? Are we looking for comfort? Or are we looking for solutions? Yes, yes. I would ask the question. Yes, you would. And you would eye roll a little bit and be like, I just need to vent. Like, yeah. Okay. Just making sure <laughs> like I'm a dummy. I had to get it. I had to break it down that simple. I think now you know that. Now I know the difference. You do. You do. The, the difference is that you ask me questions uh-huh. whenever you need solutions. And it's so rare. Growth, man. It's so High rare. Five. It's like one in every 10 times mm-hmm. you'll actually ask for a solution. Right. And when you do, my ears perk up like a hound dog. I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm really big on figuring things out on my own. And I know, Who isn't? I know it's like work smarter and not harder, but this is so important for my self-esteem that I learn how to do things on my own. And I will ask questions along the way when I feel like I can take in the information. A lot of the times we can't take the advice. We're not ready for that advice. We're not ready for that step. We're just not in a place yet to take it on. So it's best to just Shush and listen. <laughs> and trust that people will get there. Yeah, yeah. Trust that they'll get there. And it'll be so beneficial for your relationship. You just, I, I can't explain how powerful it is to just listen and support somebody that you love. Yeah, this is a really complex situation. Like, truly, if you really want to understand someone, you really want to get close to them, um, I'll put it in a context that maybe some people can understand. So my daughter, for instance, loves Taylor Swift. Uh, part of being a parent is at times getting interested in things that you don't really have a genuine interest in, uh-huh. but you do it because it means something to them. So I've always liked some Taylor Swift songs, but she is like, mm-hmm. this is her identity. Like this, this artist is the most important thing in the world to her. Yeah. And I knew that. And I think fathers a lot of times struggle to relate to their daughters, especially if they're not into sports or anything like that. Uh-huh. So I went through Taylor Swift's entire catalog and listened to it and found some stuff I really liked yeah. and found things that we could relate on common ground. When you're willing to do that, listening to an episode like this or learning a little more about this, educating yourself on what they're going through, mm-hmm. you're going to find common ground and you're going to find they're going to see that you're putting an effort and yeah. it means so much to people. Yeah. It means so freaking much. It's like you getting my boys to men tickets next year. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you want to share that or oh, no? Oh God. Yeah. This is, it's a bit of an embarrassing story it's for me. It's not embarrassing. I think it's. Let me just show common. you what growth looks like at times. It's yeah. not always just not drinking. Um, 
part of my issues have always been I'm just selfish. At my core, I'm selfish. And so we were driving down. We live in DFW, so driving down one of the major uh, highways, and there's this big billboard for a casino that's up in Oklahoma. And this is, I don't know, five years ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it said, boys to men. And you got really excited about it. And I was like, I wouldn't be caught effing dead at that concert. There ain't mm-hmm. no way. I wasn't into R&B. Like, I like some R&B, but it's newer stuff. I 90s R&B, 2000s R&B and hip hop were my and least And my favorite. boy band growing up was Boys to Men. That was her favorite thing in the it's world. And she was like, well, I'll just ask my dad. I was like, yeah, you and your dad go to that show. I ain't going to that damn show. And you were just, you were so hurt by that. I was. Because you. How many times have I dragged you to concerts that you didn't want to go to because I love the band? Oh, yeah. How many times have I dragged you to movies you didn't want to see because I love them and you just wanted to support me? Yeah. So we didn't end up going to that show and it hurt you so deeply because it it wasn't just the show. It wasn't just the fact that you wanted to hear those songs. It It was a huge metaphor for what was wrong in our relationship for so long. Well, just recently, we're driving up and down the road again Mm -hmm. and- she points at a billboard and guess what? Boys to men are coming to town. So that night I come home and I ordered, I got us a suite at the, at the casino yeah. for this show. Yeah. I know, I know maybe the chorus of one of their songs. That's not what's important though. What's important is that I'm there to support you and do something that you want to do. I'm learning about something that you love, which is really what love's about. This is what a true relationship's about. It's about, sharing experiences. It's about being selfless at times and understanding that your partner isn't always going to be exactly where you're at. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's about seeing what they're into. It's about learning about their experiences, empathizing with their lives. And so we're going to go see the show and you're going to have the greatest time ever. I'll have a good time too. I'm sure I'll hear some things that I liked. I might have a whole new newfound appreciation for their music. I don't know. (laughs) Right. It's not about me. And I I just, I think it's beautiful. I have tears in my eyes just thinking about this because like you said, it was a metaphor. It wasn't the whole point that you weren't going to go. It, it was a lot of issues in one. That kind of just like yeah, it was, was like a big red flag in my mind. It was like that's was a like, perfect example of what's wrong with us right there. What yes. you just did, what you just yes. said, yes, that's that, us that was in a, a big nutshell. that was a big part of our relationship. And I had a point. I got to a point I think where I was just like accepting it in a way. I forced you into a, a place in so many ways where you detached and you had to sort of live your own life if you wanted to be happy, right? And which is I think so powerful about your story and why you help so many people mm-hmm. is that you're like, okay, well, if I'm responsible for my own happiness and I'm going to figure this out on my own, mm-hmm. what I realized then was like, holy crap, I'm losing her. Mm-hmm. I've got to, I've got to change. I've got to do something different. Yeah. And so I did, but this is what growth looks like now. I can't if I, and that's one of my biggest regrets is how I acted in that moment all those years ago. I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. I can do things differently today. And while it is still a bit of a consolation prize, it's not quite the same as it would have been years ago. It's still going to be fun. And I think it's, if it's anything at all, it's just, it's, it's a way of me showing you that I'm, I'm really serious about doing the right things and getting to know you better. And it's coming from a true place that I I want to know you better. I want to know the things that make you smile. I want to see what excites you. I I want to see you. I do really absolutely uh, but this is a good example of um if somebody does come to you with a problem if i were to go and share to somebody that oh my gosh he didn't want to go to this concert with me they would think that's not a big deal okay okay yeah but it's so much deeper than that. yeah it's so when so somebody comes to you with a problem and they're like oh this is my problem they may not be able to articulate it in a way that is much more, um, that makes more sense. You know, that's deeper that it, it, it's actually a deeper problem when there's something that's upsetting them. Absolutely. 
Yeah, sometimes. I just kind of connected that whenever yeah, you said that. You're right, though. Like a lot of times what they're bringing you is just a this tip of the iceberg. And it's mm-hmm. hard for them to put in the words what the bottom looks like underneath the water. Yeah, this is for people who are saying that you it's they're that they're minimizing that you're minimizing their experience. If you're saying, oh, you're just sensitive or that's not a big deal or whatnot. There's something going on inside of them that is a big deal and they just need you to listen. Yeah, it's real. If they're sharing their feelings, you can't argue with their feelings. Yeah. Just listen to them. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all we've got. Yeah. I, I, I hope that we hope that we were able to create uh, an understanding for you, a family member, and what is oftentimes such a confusing space yeah. where it's like, why is this person still with them? I don't understand. I don't know if I can support this. A lot of times families will put up boundaries that just, it just drives a wedge in between people and yeah. makes things really difficult. Right. Listen, people are going to learn what they're going to learn on their own terms. You can either be there for it or you can watch from the sidelines and not be involved at all. Yeah. Um, I know from experience, you know, from experience that often it's, it's better to validate people, to listen to them, um, to help them in their own empowerment journey. If they're working and trying, you should be there to support it. Yeah. Now the other side of that, and we can just touch on this briefly is that if you've got someone who's in a really toxic, abusive relationship and they're unwilling to do anything, see anything different. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, we can have this conversation for just a moment about, okay, uh, what do boundaries look like in that case? How do you get someone to see how dangerous of a situation they're truly in mm-hmm. and and how to have gentle conversations about that? And there is a time and place for that. Yeah, there is. If someone's in a dangerous situation, how do you get them to see, um, you know, the advice is still very much the same, uh, but when it comes to dangerous situations, you, you, you can and should intervene if someone's being physically abusive, Yeah, um, get someone into a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, there are shelters, there are resources, there are, are ways to get people out of violent, dangerous situations. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to someone learning a really tough lesson in a relationship, it's not exactly the same thing. Right. It's just not, Right. it's not. Um, but you know, I think that you can even communicate your concerns in a way that still lets people know that you love them and you care about them. You're just concerned that yeah. you're, you're scared. You're worried too. Right. That's, that's just as valid. Yep. They have to listen to your experiences, your exactly. feelings as well. I was going to say it goes the other way. The other person needs to validate your experience. Yeah. So if you sent well. this episode to somebody, listen to that advice as well, that you also have to hear considerations and concerns because sometimes we've just, we've even talked about this, that a lot of times people on the, on the periphery, on the outside, mm-hmm. they have a better perspective and view of what's really happening. Yes, they because, can see it clearly. Yeah. A lot of times when you're being manipulated, you don't know you're being manipulated. Right. You don't know that that's abuse. Right. You don't even know what, how to define abuse, but right. that's abuse. And some people have a better perspective of it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree, but you need to listen yeah. and just let these thoughts simmer for a moment. Yep. And the more you get involved in communities like the two folk community, and the more you get involved in your own recovery type community and your own recovery, uh, the more you're going to learn and this stuff will become more clear. Yeah. So I think sure. it goes both ways. It does. It does go both ways. Mm-hmm. So it is okay as a family member to bring up if you feel like something's dangerous. Yeah. You can say that. Right. But don't say it in a way that's demeaning. Mm-hmm. Don't say it in a way that um, makes people feel belittled. Right. Uh, don't say it in a way that makes them sound, that makes it sound like they and should have known this all along. you have to let go of the outcome. Oh, that's a good point. You have to let go of the outcome. It's not to control their the person. It's just to, you know, challenge them and let them still make the decisions that they need to make. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the greatest lessons I've learned in life is that I'm responsible for my effort, but not the outcomes. Yeah. I can do everything right and still get a bad outcome. Yeah. Happens a lot. Yeah. 
And it might sound like this entire episode is contradicting after we listen to this. Man, but, it's, but that's part, that is no, life. No, that's it's how like, this works. Yes, If it were it black is. and white, then, then you could just get online and Google so it. It would be so easy, You wouldn't right? have to listen to an episode. And right? Everything in its own context can have a different meaning and a different answer. Yes. And I think people will come to us sometimes. It's like, we, we can provide solutions to people, mm-hmm. but their situations are nuanced and it is a bit different. It is. And it requires a different solution. Right. So yeah, it can, it can be... This in and that. Moment, that. Yeah. It can be this and in that. that. It doesn't yes. have to be this or and that's that. Par- that's part of what we teach is that you can hold two thoughts in one. You know, you can, there's, that's the gray area. Yeah. F. Scott Fitzgerald, one of my favorite quotes of all time, said that the mark of high intelligence uh, is the, is being able to hold two contradictory thoughts at once and still retain the ability to function. So something ho- like that, or was that I th- it? I think that was it. I tried to get it. I probably still butchered it, but yeah, yeah if you can hold two contradictory thoughts at the same time and still be able to function, yeah. that, that's what true intelligence is, is yes. knowing that things can be this and that, mm-hmm. uh, that there's a time and place for this or that, and that yep. things aren't just always so simple. Yeah. Our brains want to categorize stuff really easily. Yes, they do. It's either left or right. Uh-huh. It's really simple. It yeah. doesn't work that way. No. So you can be in a really tough relationship and, and it can be true. Yeah that the situation you're in is dangerous. And even though you need to be validated, you could also listen to the those around you telling you that he's going to kill you if you don't get out of that house. Right. And that's right. true. Right. And you may not see it, but mm-hmm. you should still listen to those experiences, validate that, validate mm-hmm. their feelings. This is how they feel. Yep. You can't argue with their feelings. No. Don't disagree with them. Just listen to them. We're not mm-hmm. here asking if you agree with their feelings. Mm-hmm. We're just asking you to validate them and listen to them. I understand why you feel that way. Yeah. And if you say that and you mean that, then that means you had to have seen their perspective for the way it is, which means you had to really look at things from a different view. Right. So. Awesome. Yeah. I hope this is helpful. Yeah. You say that on every episode. I do. I hope that every time we do this, it's helpful. I would have loved to have had something like, like this. 10 years ago, this this podcast is not about us. You know, like every every time we write an episode, every time we sit here and talk, I'm always thinking about like, if someone hears this, could it be life-changing advice for them? Could could this restore relationships? Could this save someone's life? Could this empower someone? And one day they're on their journey thinking, man, I'm really glad I came across that. And not in a way that is because, oh, we're so great. It's just that could we have an effect on someone's life in a positive way? Like, yeah. It, before I leave this planet, I want to know that I've done that as many times as possible. Yep. Had an effect on someone in a positive way. Yeah, so, for sure. Just trying to pack in the stream of life. I've taken from it for long enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's all we've got. All right. All right. Well, thank you all for being here with us. Uh, until next time, I am Matt. I am Peyton. And we'll see you. Bye.